stories up. If you or someone, if you hear of something, if you're a leader, a co-leader, if you're just in a group, if something happens, share it. Tell us ahead of time. If you're like, hey, I'm too embarrassed to stand up front. Well, we can, you know, uh, we can do like a video recording and then you can get as many takes as you want. But we want to hear your stories because as John said, we believe that the body of Christ, there's so many parts and there's so many wonderful things and God has an important function for each, each part of the body. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about gospel fluency. So the next few weeks, we want to talk about the gospel. I love that um, uh, during worship, Eric mentioned the gospel. And question I've been just stung and kind of stuck with is how fluent are we in communicating um, what Jesus did? Um, uh, uh, recently, what really prompted this uh, was, a, was a good friend of mine, Amanda, She's moved here recently. She was in our uh, student ministry in Kansas City and worked with us when she graduated. And she's moved here to be part of the church. And she got together with a couple of our pastors and she asked each of them, what is the gospel? How do you share the gospel? What does it mean to you? How do you define it? What does it mean to you personally? And it was interesting because even for like church staff members, it was a challenging question that, whoa, what is the gospel? What does it mean? In the very classic sense, the word gospel means this, euangelion, Can I, or uh, uh, euangelion, do we got that slide up there? That, um, you see that you, that's where we get the word evangelism um, in the English is evangelism. And what it really means is good news. It means the good news about Jesus Christ. So evangelism to share our faith is the spread of the good news. How would you answer this question, could you? If someone asked you, could you answer it? Are you fluent in the gospel? Is it a language, is the language of heaven, is it endemic to your soul, does it reside there? Can you talk about it? Can you meditate about it? Can you share it? Because like I was thinking a couple months ago, I got the um, awesome honor and, uh, honor and privilege to go to Germany. And I, I love the German language. I, I've tried all I could to speak it. I only took a couple, two and a half years in high school. I got kicked out midway through my third year in it. But I love German. I could speak it really well. So I thought as an Auslander. But, um, you know, mein Farakaitin sin besten falls Dorkschnitt. That means my skills are average at best. And my accent's butchered, as Sonia and uh, Marco could probably testify. But I love German, and I learned it by just loving to speak it. And I'm not like a great speaker of it, but I've learned it just because I want every chance I got, I would talk to people about it. And I think we live in a time where um, it can be really hard to be fluent in the gospel. Like, I'm, I'm coming up to you on a weekend where I, I don't feel like an expert. I've seen a lot of things grabbing at my heart lately that I'm, I'm not, I'm caught off guard by, I'm not proud of, but I'm seeing more and more that there's areas of my life where I'm not fluent in the gospel. And being fluent in something isn't just that you know terms or definitions, but that you can live it, that you can breathe it, that it's useful. And coming off the heels of a, of a rough week, just seeing like, rough couple of weeks of like, Lord, I, I'm not as fluent in this as I'd like to be. 
I see huge holes in the gospel in my life. I see areas like yesterday, I was um, trimming some hedges and I'm on a ladder and all of a sudden this ladder starts sinking on one side and I start screaming for my son. I'm like, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. Elijah's 18 today and he graduated from high school, so big day for Elijah, but Elijah lugs his headphones um, to sound like a jet engine. (laughs) And I'm screaming and I start screaming like a little girl at the top of my lungs and then eventually I collapse and fall and hit a stump and I feel, you know, like I'm older than 46 today um, because I fell off a ladder that my wife told me not to get on. Um, she said, don't do that. Don't, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. And, but I got so mad at my son. I got so mad at him. You know, he was 10 feet away and I'm like, there's one of two choices. Either he didn't wanna respond or he didn't hear me. And in the gospel kind of like that, like, do you think God's ever up in heaven like going mayday, mayday? And there's only one of two responses. Either we don't hear him or we don't want to respond. And I look at the holes in my life of where I just, it's proof positive. I don't want to respond. And the question's always Why? Why? Why are we not more fluent in the gospel? Why is this good news? Because I think that um, the good news is um, it's something that it's more than just something we can hear, we can hear and repeat. But I think the good news of the gospel is that um, are our lives good news to other people? See, we live in an era in civilization where um, individualism is rampant to the point where the very moorings of our society are damaged. I think we live in a very individualistic society. And, and the terrible phrase, I've said this before, but I'll keep saying, I hate the phrase, you do you. You do you. What a dumb thing. <laughs> what a dumb thing. Because I think like a lot of us buy that, like, oh, we just gotta do our own thing. And I think that there's this thing that we think of the gospel as like we're co-equals coming together with Jesus and then it's like a business transaction, like partners, like um, we kind of need his money, he kind of needs our skills, like you know how maybe a business partnership's formed and we treat it almost like we're, like we're equal. So Jesus' commands are um, sometimes uh, like negotiated uh, suggestions is what we treat them like. And I believe that that independence that we thrive upon as a culture, um, that heaven's calling us to interdependence with Christ. It's calling us to dependence upon him. It's not calling us to roam about as free moral agents to do whatever we want. And I think sometimes our freedom enslaves us in our country more, more than we realize. I think freedom has enslaved a lot of us. And I'm not saying that as a put down to anyone who's fought for our freedom as a country, who's been valiant and served in the military or police force or a first responder or someone who has a parent who died for that. I'm not saying 
Because there's a lot of good things that our country's been, been built upon. But I think that we've taken independence and gone a track with it that I think smacks in the face of the dependence needed upon Jesus in the gospel. Because the gospel is, like, like the good news is we were stuck, we had no chance, we were far from God, and Jesus came to make a way when there was no other way. But I think ingrained us, ingrained in us in American society is that um, we've got what it takes. We can do it. We can roll our sleeves up. We can just grit our teeth. You know, like the uh, everyone can make it here. That we believe a lot of this so much that we don't, I don't even think that we're aware of, as Christians often, that a lot of our culture is a hindrance to the gospel. That we... And some of you might be seething inside right now. Like, how dare you take a strike at independence? How dare you take a swipe at America? And I'm, listen, I'm very thankful I wasn't born like in North Korea or Afghanistan. I'm very thankful for where I live and where I've grown up. But also, every country, every nation has hindrances to the gospel. And I believe ours, like, that the, the point of blind spots is, is we can't see them. And we need eyes that see clearly what Jesus is doing. And I think sometimes more than we realize our independence is a hindrance to being fluent in the gospel. Because the gospel at its core is dependency upon Jesus. Like the gospel at its core, the whole point of prayer is saying, I need you. I am not sufficient in and of myself. Do you know if you took Kanye West, LeBron James, Elon Musk, if you took, I don't, I don't know, Madonna, you took Kamala Harris, you take some of the best, brightest, biggest personalities of our culture and you put them together, it still wouldn't be enough to pull off what Jesus had to do in our place. It's not, it couldn't be, it wouldn't be, it never is. But yet, I, I think endlessly, we all try to create our own pseudo-narratives of what the good news is, right? Like, if you look on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, people are putting out what's the good news of their life. Like, most people are putting out there, like, the food they're making, the trip they're going on, the, the gathering they were at, and we're, and we're uh, promulgating this rendition of the good news that a lot of times is pretty good, but it can be very devoid of Christ. And I say this, that it's pseudo good news because in our culture, our free, independent culture, right now, currently, we have more people on antidepressants, drugs, divorced, in jail, foster care, poverty, addiction, unemployment, and suicides ever before the last three years. We're a culture that's in need of the good news. And so I think a lot of times what stifles me in my life, the very pill that I won't take is the one that will cure me. That my dependence, that is, it's requisite that I see that, that I miss is the thing that hinders me from being fluent in the gospel. And not only my life, but in others. Because the spread of the good news, I think, is twofold. The spread of the good news is telling other people about Jesus, but the other spread of the good news should be that the gospel spreads in my life. 
that it spreads in my heart, that I become more and more submitted to the work, the way, the will of Jesus. That's what the spread of the good news is. Because I think a lot of people, there's even, I, I saw a Barna survey this week, that a lot of Americans disproportionately appreciate and respect and value who Jesus is. But on the other side, they um, think Christians are, there's, there's a mixed reception. Because I think we spread the gospel and we don't live the gospel. I tried to tell my son about Jesus and then I scream at him for a mistake that maybe he didn't, wasn't aware he was making. Maybe he wasn't aware that his dad was being a moron on a flimsy ladder in an unlevel place, disagreeing with his wife to get her done. My independence brought me some, um, it brought me a reckoning of how unfluent I am in the gospel. The good news is my wife hears from God a lot. And sometimes I'm an ape and I need her. (laughs) Men, we need our wives. We need women around us to love us and let us know, like, and women, you need us. Like, I think I always say, like, um, kids need parents, one, so they can have fun and grow up with a sense of adventure. But that's what dads do. But moms, they need so they can be alive to see that thing through. (laughs) And I almost wasn't alive to see that thing through. Because the gospel... I'm way better at talking about it than I am living it and receiving it. And a lot of times our best move is to invite people to church or to turn on K-Love or watch The Chosen. And these are all great things, but I think people are looking for living examples. What's Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you is the core of the gospel. And why the good news? You might be, why are you talking about this? Because the the good news hasn't changed. Do you know that Jesus Christ's message is timeless? Like I said, no matter what era, what culture, what civilization, what your plight is, if you're a male, if you're a female, if you're a child, if you're young or you're old, the whole order is disrupted by the sin condition. The whole order is disrupted by, by us people who want to do our own thing and we hurt ourselves and we hurt each other so often in the process. And the gospel is that this doesn't have to be all there is. So whether you live in 21st century America full of wealth and opportunity and choices or you live in Afghanistan, or you lived back in the Assyrian society or Greco-Roman times where uh, like marauders could just come through your town and kill you and take your wife and kids and do whatever. Wherever we grow up in history, whatever time, place, era, continent, the gospel's relevant. And we see at the gospel, I think sometimes at its core, I miss the gospel at its heart because I fail to see the heart that Jesus has. Because a lot of times we just tell the gospel, like I told it, the world's messed up, it's broken. And I think a lot of times it's when I turn to Jesus is when I messed up and broken. But the gospel, the good news, is so much better than that. It actually supersedes it. 
When we go back to Genesis chapter one and two, we see a God who made this world and we see over and over again, three words that God said and saying over his creation. He said, it is good. It is good. And we see that the good news starts with the fact that the intention was always a good one, is that how things were before it all got broke is actually God's intention for it in our lives, for our civilization, for, and for generations to come, is that the gospel, it is good. Like Jesus gives things to our lives because like, do you know he actually has better aspirations for our life than we do. Another, another E Hollywood true story, um, just looking into my sick soul today. Um, if you know a good therapist, just kidding. Um, sorry, you guys are my therapy today. I, I owe every one of you 150 an hour, but I can't pay it because I'm a pastor. Um, but I, so we're moving. We're moving to, uh, to Florence, y'all. Um, we're moving, yeah, so. As you guys know, I've, uh, we're from Cincinnati. Some of you would treat it like I drive from Cleveland every day. I just drive from Coney Island. Um, even though they're in the same state, Cincinnati's the closest part to here. Um, and it's swimmable if you're still afraid to drive the bridges. Um, but, um, so we're moving, because one of the things that we felt is like we wanna be uh, like in the community where God's called us to live the gospel. We were waiting for our son to graduate, so he graduates, it's graduation today, and all that stuff, and um, birthdays today, so big day, like I said, for for him, but we're moving down here. But I've been really having a hard time with moving. I love my house, love it. Got a great place, and we bought it. We thought it was our forever home. Uh, Beautiful piece of land, house, you know, old English tutor, charming, just like me. Um, You know, beautiful, well put together, um, well thought out, Um, just kidding. But I've really been struggling with moving because I don't like y'all or I don't like Kentucky. I just like Ohio better. That's where I'm from. Like, I like it. It's comfortable with me. I grew up on the east side and I love our house. And I've, I've seen as we've, you know, we, we've felt the clear, um, we've felt the clear word from God, like it's time to move, it's time to go. And we did it. We've seen his hand on it. I mean, we, do you know we, the day when my uh, friend Shapur came a couple weeks ago, we were looking at a house and um, we felt like it was the house. And we didn't even, we, we didn't love the house. We like it okay, but we felt like it was the house we were supposed to buy. And I called this lady and I said, hey, we wanna put an offer on your house. We like you guys, we like your house. And Jolly said, well, we felt the same about you. We felt like we just wanted you guys to have our house. And um, I said, okay, we're gonna put an offer in and da da da. Well, I feel like I'm supposed to call her back a couple hours later. Jolly's a Muslim. And Jolly's a Muslim, and her husband, um, Dave, it was like an Indian guy from Kenya, I think Hindu. And I just said, hey, this is gonna be really weird, but I've got a friend who's a pastor from Iran. She's from Iran. I said, he's gonna be sharing at our church tomorrow. I'd love for you to come hear his story. She's like, that's really interesting because I've never heard 
live a Christian from Iran, let alone a pastor. But I'm in New Jersey. But I get home tomorrow, my plane gets in around 10. I said, well, perfect, service is at 10.30. I said, I said, zero pressure, but would love it if you guys could, could come. Well, she does, um, she said, well, let me talk to Dave and we'll let you know. Well, Dave texts me at 10.27, we're not gonna make it, Jolly's flight's delayed. Long story short, she gets off the plane, says, let's go to the church. He's like, oh, okay. And she's like, we'll just go late and hopefully we hear it. So they missed worship, but they got here to hear my friend Shapur and he led them to Jesus. Yeah. But yet somehow in my simple, simple, stubborn heart, it's not good enough for me because I'm leaving a nicer house for a lesser house. And I've been really wrestling. I'm like, Jesus, why isn't this good enough for me? And I think because I, can, I fail to see, I fail to see beyond what I like, what I enjoy, beyond what I can tolerate, and believe God has better things for me than what I can conjure up on my own. Because even though, like, we don't, we, you know, we haven't ever, like, tried to pursue things a lot. Like, I've never gone down in houses. You know, each time you buy a house, you, you buy a little bit more, you have more kids, whatever, or you acquire more crap along the way. And, and this is the first time, like, majorly taking a, a step back. And I just feel like the Lord say, Ryan, you don't believe my gospel is enough for you. In the point of the kingdom of heaven, giving up more and more of this earth to experience more and more what I have there before you actually arrive. And I thought, Lord, I, I'm not as fluent in the gospel as I'd like to believe. Because I, I believe just a lot of times, like, I'm trying to get my, make my life better. And I think somehow maybe Jesus is trying to make my life worse. That surrendering to him is going to make my life worse. Or his gospel, his word's not going to be enough for me. His provision won't be enough for me. Our, our brother John Alice said many times, he said, um, really sin is ultimately our constant efforts to work against our own best self-interests. And I don't believe a lot of times that Jesus' interests are enough. I don't believe Jesus' desire for my life or my family or my heart or my body or my mind or my house is enough. And so I'm not as fluent in the gospel as I would like to be because um, I've got an unbelief problem. And I think a lot of you do too, if we're honest. Because we look at the world and we see other people doing great and their best life and all their pictures or all their whatever. And we're like, I, I don't have that. Or maybe you are the one that does. And we think somehow there's security in that. In Genesis 1 and 2, God made a world and said it was good. But then Genesis 3 happens and the world is fallen. And despite our best efforts, our best architects, our best laws, our best bank accounts, our best bookies, our best jobs, we cannot fix the problem that came into the good world with the sin issue. Because the gospel is that Jesus says, I made this world good, I love you, I'm for you, I wanna spend forever with you, but we got work to do now before that happens. And I think often out of fear, ignorance, pride, or doubt, 
we maybe don't represent the gospel like we can or should or want to because of those things. In Genesis, I mean, not in Genesis, in Revelation, the other side of the street from Genesis, Genesis is the first book, uh, Revelation is the last. In chapter 12, it gives this amazing little verse where it says, and they have defeated him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. To be fluent in the gospel, we have to understand what Jesus did and to be able to communicate what he did for us in our lives. But I think we're gonna start with the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did. Do we realize what Jesus had to overcome to break the barrier of the hold, the stranglehold that the enemy had on our world? It said that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Do we realize that the works of the devil are prevalent still? Do we realize there's still strongholds in us and around us that need to be broken? Do we feel an urgency when telling people that? Do we feel an urgency to tell people that? Do we care if people know that? Do we talk loudly about our Christian faith and live another message? Because I think people, if they met Jesus, a lot of them would fall in love with him. But a lot of times I think they meet me and they want nothing to do with him. Maybe they meet you and they want nothing to do with him. And I'm not saying this is an indictment because maybe some people are way better examples than I am, but I just, I, I just see that um, I don't see the gospel spreading at the rate it can and we have so much brokenness around us. There's something of a disconnect somewhere in so many of our hearts where I believe um, we're not all in or we don't believe that God, like I think a lot of us, like I think I've lived so much of my life with shame and doubt and a need to self-soothe that I, I haven't believed that God was enough for me or that he would want to, to scratch that itch that's in my soul. So because either shame or ignorance or fear or just flat out, uh, flat out uh, rebellion, as Adam Jones once said, I am rebellion. Like some of us are just rebellion. Like our lives are just rebellion against what Jesus is doing. And I think that they have defeated Satan by the blood of the lamb. Do you know the blood of Jesus is the most important thing that you and I can ever become acquainted with. Our need for that is the linchpin. It's the apex of where the gospel begins for us. And I think sometimes I'm unaware of how much I still need that grace and forgiveness, how much I still need his presence to stay on the vine. Because really, isn't it, can't, isn't it amazing? Is anyone else ever caught off guard by, I can have 59 and a half good minutes an hour. But those 30 seconds can blow the next week 
or the next day or the next month or the next year. It's almost like I feel like I got to hit on all cylinders all the time, but I think I think like I, I feel such a pressure sometimes because I'm not as connected to the good news is the good news, the blood of the lamb is you can't do it. And I want to do it for you. That I made this world good without any help of yours. I just want you to join me in tending it. Can we see Adam and Eve? The invitation was God made his creation so it was good and said, Adam, I want you to help me this. I want you to take care of it. I want you to procreate. I want you to tend the other things that procreate my good world. And I want to help you do it. I'm going to abide with you. Well, Adam and Eve, that didn't last very long. Adam and Eve's Woodstock, where they were walking around naked and in great fellowship, didn't last long. The beautiful sounds changed to, um, to terror to more of a horror movie, to hiding and shame, to the tapes they would play in their head that we would all play for eternity, that God isn't enough, he's not aware, he doesn't care, and he doesn't wanna help me. And I can do it on my own, that my way is better. And I think the thing I'm realizing in my life that I hope encourages you is gospel fluency is usually found in gospel fervency. Our regular connection, the rinse and repeat, like it might be rote that we worship every week or we hear the word or we take the Lord's Supper every week or we pray, but I'm, I'm reminded of how often I need that shot in the arm to just come before Jesus with a bunch of people and say, I'm not alone in this. I'm not crazy. Or when I come to the cup and the table, like Jesus, I've blown it again and again and again, but you still love me and you wanna welcome me back in this exercise, if not done as a perfunctory, some perfunctory rote thing is actually something that can cleanse my soul and get my fellowship with you and him and others back on track. And that the word, that the word that's meant to invite us closer and to challenge us to let down barriers that are hindering us? Are you willing to let the gospel change you and redefine who you are? So do you struggle with the gospel of sin, that sin being the move we preach to everyone? Like, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you suck. You all screwed up and that's it. Turn or burn. Is hell the motivator that we use to share heaven? Doesn't that seem like a weird motivator? I want to talk about heaven. Let me show you hell. And I think knowing what the lamb does is um, showing who Jesus is is a better gospel than showing what he isn't. And too many times I show what he isn't either by my words or by my actions. Do I want to live in a way that I show who Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Is he your Sunday buddy? Is he your hunting buddy? Is he your BFF? Is he your convenience in your time of need? Is he who you hope your kids or spouse grows up to be like, but you really want to do your own thing? Who is Jesus to you? That's where the fluency of the gospel starts. 
Does the blood of the lamb, is the gospel spreading in me as I'm spreading it to others? And now there's a question too. Do we share the gospel with other people? Or are we too ashamed by our own examples? Are we too ashamed by our church? Are we too ashamed or we're too ignorant? Maybe we don't know enough. Like what, what is the gospel to us? Do we love Jesus in such a way that we can't help but talk about it, even when we blow it? Because you know what the gospel is sometimes? It wasn't the best example to my son. But what I felt is the Lord just say, just be humble. Go tell him you're sorry. Whatever his motive is, that's between me and him. But just tell him you're sorry that you, you didn't sound like me. And guess what? That's all, all I did. And Jesus was faithful to reconcile that and bring peace and um, for, him, for him to forgive me. So the gospel doesn't just cover our wrongs, but it also covers the rights. I think if we look at the things that are best in this world and we look at the desires of God's heart, do you know Jesus wants us to join him in restoring a broken and lost world? Like Jesus wants to do more than just save us from hell. Do you know Jesus wants to reset this place to its original glory and purpose? That's part of the gospel too. Can we communicate that? Can we communicate that the gospel of the kingdom is more than just fire insurance? Can we, it, it, can we tell that it's better than just going to church on Sunday or being part of a house group? All those things are great, but the, the fact is the gospel can spread into my life and change every part of me if I'm willing to let it. That's the good news. And if the blood of the lamb means something to me, it's changing me. If the blood of the lamb means something to you, it's changing you. We talk about prayer so much because prayer is the constant way that the gospel can infiltrate our soul and where Jesus says, I have good news for you in this situation. When I'm full of rage, when I'm full of doubt, when I'm full of upset, when I was struggling with selling my house, Jesus is like, hey, Ryan, I, this is what he spoke to me. He's like, Ryan, I gave you this place. This was a fertile place. I gave you seven years here. And I used you, changed you, healed you, grew you in so many ways. But this is a year of Jubilee where I actually have something different for you now. And I have something better in a different way. Like I got to buy a house and a Muslim got to get saved. I mean, come on. Like that's, that's better news than just like having a bigger house with a nicer kitchen. That's better news than a bigger yard. But I don't always see that. I just see what I like or what I feel. And I think Jesus has better news for us than that. But here's the good news too. He's mindful of what I'm made of and that I can be a schlep and that um, he's so patient and he'll walk with us to the end of our lives hoping we get it. He'll put every opportunity out there because he's committed to the good news spreading in us and spreading through us. He's committed to you. That's good news. You might be a person who's so lonely and no one's been committed to you in your life. Maybe you've had lousy husband, husbands, wives, wife. Maybe you've had lousy children, lousy bosses. Maybe you've had no living examples that anyone would wanna walk with you. 
Jesus isn't lousy. The good news is he sees his good world, you're part of it. He wants to change your life and change the world through you and he's very committed to it till the very end. Even when you might be that lousy person, that unfaithful person, he's committed. Even when I am that person and I am often that unlousy, committed, waffling person, he's committed to me. That's good news. Can we communicate that to people? Do we share with people willingly that Jesus is for them? That's good news. Does our collective story impact those around us? Does our collective story impact people around us? Because the gospel is bigger than you suck, here's fire insurance. CEO of Barna Group said this recently, Dave, Dave Kinneman. He said, the work of Christians is to embody Jesus full of truth and grace and reflect his image in all they say and do. Are we reflecting Jesus in what we say and what we do? Is the gospel spreading not just through our words, but into our souls, into our hearts, into our actions, into our reactions? Because here's the thing, you're gonna blow it. You'll probably blow it today. You might even blow it before you leave here. And the enemy loves to stir stuff up. You might have a weekly ritual of you blow it on the way home by fighting with the, per the person or people you drove here with. But the good news is, the good news is, is that Jesus can help that. Jesus has a remedy for it. Jesus has better for us than what we believe and what we've existed so far. Caesar Kalinowski says in his amazing book, Small is Big, Slow is Fast. I don't read many books twice. There's so many books out there that I'm like, I don't like to read things twice. <clears throat> um, this is a book I'm actually reading a second time because it's so good. If you're looking for something to read, read Small is Big, Slow is Fast. He says, people who are filled with Jesus' own spirit, we have an amazing opportunity and privilege to reshape our culture by living as God's own extended family. Do you know God sees you as his child, his wanted child? God sees you as his wanty, worthy, chosen, precious son and daughter that he wants, that he wants his good news to spread in you and through you. He wants to do this with us. In fact, it's the only way he's chosen to do it. So next week, we're gonna talk about more. We're gonna talk about... Um, being gospel fluent. Today is, is the blood of the lamb something you can experience and something you can share? Because we can always talk about experiences better than someone else's experience, can't we? Can't you always tell your story better than someone else's? Is the gospel spread to you in a way that it's transformative? Is the gospel touched you in such a way that you're open to and willing and capable to talk about it with others. And you might be caught off guard by us. You're maybe like, I don't know. That's okay. The good news is Jesus will walk with you and me till we die, until we can get it. Because he loves us so much that he wants to partner in this good recreation of his creation that he loves so much. And then a couple weeks, my friend who asked us the hard question, I'm like, well, you can't just ask that question and not get up and talk about it. So my friend Amanda is gonna speak in a few weeks and talk about 
how Jesus's gospel has impacted her life, how his good news has touched her. How we live out the beauty of God's message is by letting it take hold of us first. So we're gonna pray today. Where do you need Jesus' gospel to take hold of your life? Where, where is your story incomplete? Where are you believing just this maybe 21st century American mindset where you need, maybe God's inviting you to the bigger story of history of all humankind that's tied together in this good news? Where, where, where are we missing it? Where are we falling short? Where is it not getting through to us? Where do you not believe that the good news of Jesus is better than what you can pull off on your own? with your own job, your own money, your own friends, your own ideas? Where, where do you need the touch of God today? So we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, and, um, and I'm just gonna ask, um, open your hearts to Jesus. Open your hearts, don't just let this fly by today. Because here's the point, if we preach a, a stinky gospel, or we might preach, like we, we don't wanna miss out on it ourselves. Does the blood of the lamb mean anything to you, or does it still mean what it meant long ago? And if it does, how do we keep it going so none of us fall short? God of rescue and restoration, can you put this prayer up on the screen with me? I want everyone to say this with me. Let's read it. God of rescue and restoration, thank you for your great and beautiful mission in the world. Here I am, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Send me to the world you love. Jesus, we invite you to come into us so we have something to go with. If you don't know Jesus and you're like, I, I wanna be part of this bigger story, we invite you to come today. Our prayer teams, I invite you to come up. We'd love to pray with you today. We'd love to pray for you to give your life to Jesus. We'd love to pray. Maybe you wanna give your life back to Jesus. Or maybe you're just like, I'm, there's, maybe you just need to confess parts of your life where the gospel is not hitting on all cylinders. Maybe you can be a jerk like me or a baby like me or a missing it like me. If you need prayer today, the good news is the blood of the lamb. Jesus says if, we're, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe you need forgiveness for everything you've ever done for the first time, that's salvation, or maybe you need more along the way, that's sanctification. Or maybe you need greater vision. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us with your life, your beauty, Help us to be emissaries of your good news, but also help us to be bearers of your image, of your good news spreading through us in our lives and in our words and deeds. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, go and sin less this week, and we hope you have a great week. Come receive prayer if you can. Love you all.